In the holiday spirit, can you update us on the COVID list? If anyone's been added today? Uh, no one's been added today. Not have you got it adding Durden? Yeah, okay, that was just okay. Yeah. Osa is back in the building today. Thank you. Just Oda, Tristan? No, not Tristan. Osa's they asked me if it was added. Is there anything else? Yeah. <laughs> Will Osa be able to do everything? Uh, yeah, today I think so. We're going to be smart with him. Let's go see where he is. How will y'all go about shuffling the responsibilities for the defensive line room? Well, um, you know, two things. You know, we, uh, you know, he may have a chance to test back in by the end of the week, um, but we're working through that. Uh, Dan, I met on that this morning. You know, it's in progress right now, but we're in virtual. So, you know, he actually held the meetings, uh, the position meetings this morning. Um, but you know, it's more about the rotation on on Sunday. So, we'll work that out amongst the staff. Where's Leon at? Is Leon left to anything? Virtual? Leon's uh, back, so he's uh, he's been in the he's been up in the press box the last uh, two games, so there's definitely a possibility of him coming down on the field. Mike, can you update us on the Blake Jarwin status? Yes, uh, Blake, um, I, I w you know, we're, we're hoping that he may be able to start to do some on-field work maybe next week or the week after is, is, is the thought. You watched the game last night. How much can you glean from that game since there's so many guys out and guys can test back in yeah. before Sunday? No, definitely. I, I think it's uh, – Everybody watched the game. You know, we had it on while we were going through our, you know, our uh, game plan meetings. Uh, so we got a chance to watch the second half exclusively. Um, but you know, after Washington did, did a really nice job starting the game. You know, just the way they came out, and got the lead there with the, the two takeaways. Um, so, you know, really the most important game for us is you know the one we played in against them ten days ago. So that's. You know, a lot of our cut-ups and a lot of our game planning was done off of what we did prior to our first contest. We obviously probably, you know, we didn't we didn't use everything, which is normal in the first game. We went a little heavier with the volume going into that game. So, you know, that was all part of playing them twice in three weeks. Uh, but, you know, I think anytime you have a chance to watch a live tape on anybody, especially from a matchup, you know, the, te the technical part of it. So that, that's definitely useful. Tyron Smith just be working off to the side today or what's Who's that? Iron Smith, Tyron Smith. Tyron. Tyron will be in the rehab group today. Yes. Getting better. I mean, lot, lot, lot much better than he was last week. First blush, what did you think of Gary Cooper and his performance? I thought he did a nice job. I mean, it was you know, it was, you know, good to see him get an opportunity. You know, it's uh, Lake Travis proud, so I mean, I was I was happy for him on a personal note, um, but I, I mean, you got to give him a ton of credit to do what he did in three game, you know, three days. So, uh, but I thought he had a really good start. You always been good at December football and your previous place of employment. Did that start when you first got in the league at Kansas City, just learning about how important that is? I think, you know, fortunate uh, to be, you know, part of Marty Schottenheimer's staff and his, you know, it was an established program, um, you know, when I, you know, before I even arrived there. So, you know, it was a, you know, perennial playoff team. And, you know, a lot of those you know, thoughts and regiments, uh, you know, did come from here. A lot of things that we do structurally and in, in the process component of preparing for a game, I still use from my time with Marty. But, you know, the 90s was a different era. I mean, it was an older team. Um, so I think, you know, you come out of training camp, but I think you always felt the importance. You know, you didn't play as many division games that late, um, but the, the importance of really when the fundamental part of your of your football team really gets has to be heightened, and you know, executions everything. That's we talk about that a lot 
more than ever, um, just because you know you, you should be in a very good routine and a process through your program. You know your you know your uh, game planning. You know the, the things you get ready weekly. So you know the ability to beat the guy across across from you consistently in this time of year has to be heightened because you're not going to get to where you want to go if it if it doesn't if it doesn't flow through your whole football team. But yeah, it's definitely established. You know, in, in that time. Can you talk a little bit more about how you talked before about shaving some time off in December. Just just in general, how much do you shave off and where, and how do you still keep a structure but respond to where the team physically, as far as keeping routine yet still addressing where they are? I mean, if you took our schedule uh, from week one to you know this week, it'd be ninety minutes shorter. You know, and this part, and it's a combination of on the field meetings. And I, I just think like anything, your efficiencies is higher. Um, you know, you have to. I mean, I, frankly, you just got to practice what you preach. I mean, you know, physical, mental, and emotional stress is additive. So, I mean, being in tune with that and the stress that the players go through later in the year is higher. You know, let's. I mean, you got to recognize the, the holiday season and, and handling success. I mean, you know, we're having su- success as a football team. We have individuals that are having success probably higher than they may have had in the past. So you, you, you have to handle those things. And it just, you know, it's not just a PowerPoint presentation. So I think the, the ability to, to make it flow as part of your work day, um, it's, it, I think it's real important. You didn't start, just start getting ready for December and December. How much did your preparation in training camp in September and October, you know, while you're trying to win a game, prepare and take care of your team to get them ready to play the best in December? I mean, I, th- you know, I think it's just through experience. Um, you know, I was I was a young head coach once that overtrained football a football team. I you can clearly remember, you know, in 06, uh, you know, way over, you know, I think it was uh, we're, we're playing a preseason game in Cincinnati and we had some stretch there where I think we went straight seven straight days. You know, we were on a two-one-two-one pro, you know, uh, process back then at training camp, and you know, guys couldn't even they couldn't even get through the second quarter. You know, and that was our our third preseason game, so it was our big game. And so I know what overtraining looks like. You know, I've, I've overdone it. Uh, so I think you just learn through experience. Is it was it difficult to do initially because? It's a little counterintuitive because you want to go, well, you, you push it even more here in December, it means more, you got to be. Did, did you have to wrestle with that at all? Or did you just see physically it just doesn't make sense? I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think it's really the commitment to humility in your personal and professional life because when you study humility, counterintuition is a key filter to, to utilize your thought process and your actions of how you do everything. And uh, counterintuition, I think, you know, it makes you check. The way you, you know, the way you did things as a young, as a young man, and um, you know, not everything is absolute. And but I think you can also react to kind of intuition, and you think everything you've ever done is screwed up, and you know, because that kind of goes on right now in, in a lot of ways. So I think holding on to the things that you truly know uh, work from the past. I think those are fundamental, found, you know, things of your foundation that you stick to. Um, I think you have to have that. You have to believe in something as a base, uh, but I think you have to use counterintuition all the time. You know, and it's something I rely on a lot. When did you start studying humility and counterintuition? 2007. 2007. What spurred you to start studying it then? I read a book by a gentleman by the name of John Dixon, uh, and uh, John was a frequent uh, speaker for us in Green Bay at, at Chapel. He's from Australia, and he would come to. You know, he come through, you know, uh, Green Bay once a year and would speak, you know, to the team or, you know, it was chapel and uh, just grabbed a hold of me. So, 
it um, you know it, it uh, definitely adjusts the way I looked at things. When you guys went through virtual last year, it was obviously brand new. Too much coffee today. I apologize. <laughs> how, <I'll try. laughs> how in the offseason did you work with your coaches or structure work for them so that they could get better in the virtual component of instruction? Well, we needed it because um, we definitely didn't hit the. Definitely didn't hit the target last year. So um, actually, I thought Dan Quinn, you know, brought some really good ideas. Uh, some of the things he did in Atlanta, you know, and I think just talking to other people in the league, you know, um, just you know, and frankly, I think we learned as we, you know, as we you know went through it last year, you know, because it kind of jumped on us with the with the pandemic, um, and then you know then we had the draft. I mean, so there was a lot of opportunities to learn just from the you know the technical and the IT component of it so um, and you know when we I think the benefit of having young coaches that are that are really good in, in that area that, that are talented um, so just you know just making your we're teachers I mean it's really just making the teaching environment better and, and, and frankly there's more things that I think we can continue to learn from the virtual that, that can make us better you know moving forward so I think it's a big part of our society and you know I think we're, we're you know like see like going to virtual this week I mean it's self-imposed I mean we don't, we don't have to do this so I mean we're doing it because I think you know we're trying to get in front of it I think our players have done a really good job testing you know both family and friends you know you can just see by the numbers our guys have really picked it up um, so my view is if we can, you know, if we can take this week and just, you know, really increase uh, the, the, you know, the safety and get their home space in a, in a better situation, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully we can stay in front of this challenge of COVID. So that's why we went to uh, the uh, virtual, but it's really the confidence that I have in the teaching part of it. You know, the team meetings are not very good, you know, because you can't, you know, you can't connect like we connect right now. So, um, you know, I, I just think then and, and even Dan and Kellen, you know, it's a little different when you have the whole offense, but the individual, the, really, the individual meetings are excellent. I mean, if you sit, if you know, because you, you obviously I can bounce through those. Um, I think our guys do a really, really good job. And you know, and you still have the interaction, so I don't think we lose anything in the individual meetings. Where did the idea to call on the North Texas professors to come in and kind of help you guys out? Um, just through conversation. I, I think it was, you know, you know once again, I think. Uh, you know, you got great resources here, you know, locally. So, I mean, you can't be blind or ignorant to that. So, um, so I, I just think that it was a focus. I mean, you know, it was, it was clearly one of the, you know, top things on our to-do list in the offseason. We needed to be better. When did you guys do that? You oh, shoot, it was right away. I think it was like February. Yeah, can February, you, March. Can you provide a comparison of what a subpar virtual meeting from a presentation and engagement looks like? Really so now we're going to analyze our, our, our virtual meetings? Well, no, I'm talking about, I'm just trying to get a sense of, of then and now in terms of uh, how engagement has changed in presentations. Yeah. Well, I'll say this: the WebEx is better. You know, just the, the you know, just the, the they've improved. They, they've they've improved with the needs of, you know, what we need as far as the interfacing the DV sport was night and day compared to how we do it now to then. So I mean, the whole process is better. So I think the you know the ability to utilize the same cut-ups and in because in, in, you know it's about interaction and still be able to have the PowerPoint and the video work in conjunction you know that's much better you know these guys learn different than we did 20 years ago I mean these guys they, they see more they capture more in a short period of time so they they, they, they their stimulus is just because you know the, the way they've grown up and, and they capture more quickly but you, you know their meeting you got to be your meetings gonna be shorter so I think that's common in in the teaching 
uh, industry and so how do you utilize that in a you know in a 30 minute meetings as opposed to a 45 minute meeting so all those things Mike, do you have to kind of keep a watchful eye this week because obviously you're playing on the 26th these guys have families wives girlfriends guys got to shop the day before christmas <laughs> Did he still shop? Yeah, so. I just saw JJ in here pushing the cart down the hall. There's a lot of, a lot of he's got a lot more boxes this week, that's for sure. But is, is that something you've talked to him about to kind of make sure you still Absolutely. Focus? No, absolutely. And, that's, and the schedule fits that, too. So um, I think, you know, the fact that we can get our work done, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, still be done by 1 o'clock, you know, one fifteen. Because, you know, some people, you know, Christmas Eve is a big night, too. So I think it's important for guys to still be able to get out of here relatively early. We're not going to do the stay program because of the social distancing. So, you know, so they'll be they'll be gone probably an hour earlier than they normally are. And then on Christmas, um, you know, I think it's important for everybody to be home in the morning. So we're just going to come in late afternoon and have a practice. And then the fact that we play on Sunday night, we moved all our meetings to Sunday morning. So everybody will be home for Christmas. We're... They'll come here at three o'clock and they'll be home by five. So everybody will be home for dinner. So I think that's a good. That's a, I think it's a. I think it's a great Christmas Day schedule. A lot different than the nineties, don't you think? <laughs> we talked with Dan about that third down play where Mike drops back on Kenny Galladay. He was saying that one thing he likes about Mike is how if he makes a mistake, he never makes that same mistake again. How did y'all go about assessing his football IQ? in the pre-draft process, and were there any conversations that stand out? Uh, I, I think like anything, I mean, you, you have a college evaluation, and, and, and I think really, uh, you know, we're fortunate. You know, I think like any coaching staff, you know, when your personnel department, when it when it comes down to it, you know, are you getting what you think you're getting? And, and that's definitely the case. So I, mean, I just think our guys did a great job throughout the evaluation process, and, and he's definitely, you know, has uh, – been everything and more than what they said about him during the draft process. So, you know, I, I think that in his particular case, because he didn't play, you know, uh, the year before, so there were, that was a bit of an unknown. But I mean, you know, that's what springs for, and you can see how guys pick it up, you know, but, you know, things come very natural to him. You talked earlier about you know, getting ahead of this, and the protocol here is even beyond what the league's doing right now. Did, I don't know if you know the exact numbers, but. But you've emphasized boosters. Or you said Jim talked to the team last week. Do, do you know that uh, players and, and coaches have been able to get uh, a number of players been able to do that in the last week to ten days? Yes, I mean it's been available. Um, we had a uh, a video from the league, four minute video we showed in the team meeting today. So yeah, we're, I mean we're, we'll always continue to educate our players and, and coaches on what's what's available. Mike, the pandemic and the virtual meetings. I don't know if it takes anything away, but how much? Just playing. How much fun is this time of year having these kind of games with so much on the line? And is this what you kind of missed the year that yeah, you're out? Yeah, this is it's all about. I mean, you want to be always. I mean, you always want to be playing for something. You know, I, I think that you know you, you learn over the years that you know what it takes from a commitment, and you know, and it, it takes a lot out of you. And, and that's that's the joy of it all. You know, to be competing in December. You know. I like the way this thing lays up. You know, we're we're, we're fighting for a division title. You know, you know Sunday night. What else can you ask for? You know, so, and then just like this league does every time this time of year, then you wake up Monday morning and, you know, things will shift around. That, that's 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 the way it goes. That's the way it always goes. So, yeah, definitely. And I, th I think clearly, being out a year, um, you know, you definitely appreciate you know these these opportunities so much more, and you just you know thankful. And um, but yeah, this is this is what it's all about.
Pro Bowl team will be announced. How many Pro Bowls do you think you have? I don't know. Uh, great question. Um, not not a great day for the head coach because you know there's, I mean there's always someone that's deserving that doesn't get it. So um, I, I think just like anything, you just got to keep it in perspective. And you know, so I would think I would think that we we would be well represented. How do you how do you handle that in terms of your presentation with the team? Do you get a chance to tell? Well, it's different now. You know, just the way it's flown. I mean, you got you know some coming out on Monday, Tuesday. So and um, you know. We, will we get it this afternoon, or you know, it's just it, yeah. So I, yeah, they'll be gone. So I, you know, you normally try to get in front of it and and have a personal conversation with the individuals, and frankly, talk, have a conversation with the guys that you you felt that deserved it. The two young defensive players, Parsons and Diggs, just briefly describe the seasons they're having thus far, because we oh. assume they'll be on the Pro Bowl. They're they're having Pro Bowl seasons. I mean, I think their numbers reflect that, and I think they've. Definitely been very impactful, you know. And and if I was coaching against them, I mean, they definitely would be on my profile tape, and 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 it would have a target on them, you know, on a weekly. And I think I'd represent the, you know, the type of players that they both are. When you say that about a target on on players, are you talking about just like individual defensive guys? You look at, you're like, we cannot let this this player wreck the game. Yeah, definitely. Or I mean, just you know, just identify their their skills and the, you know, and it's all about matchups. So I mean, it's uh, every week you go through your opponent and and and, and based on you know how, how guys are playing or how you think they're going to play or you know where they're playing particularly. You know, obviously their their physical skill set is part of that. But yeah, you definitely have you have matchup keys that you're always focused on. On tape, did you see that the Giants paid particular attention to Micah? I think everybody's been taking particular attention to Micah, yeah. Yeah. Even though uh, last year didn't unfold the way certainly you or a lot of people envisioned, the way the team responded in, in December, and do you think some of the seeds of, of what has happened this year were planted in December? Just in general, the team responding there to show you the – what did that show you? I, I really do. Um, and I, I think it, remi it, it reminds me a lot of uh, 06 to 07. You know, we were – um, the 06 team was one and four, and then four and eight, and uh, you know we really struggled there from you know weeks. Um, you know I think we were one and four, then four and four, then four and eight. So it was we were really struggling there, and then won the last four. And that's something that you know throughout the, you know, but we had normal off season program and all that then too. So I mean it was something that we really emphasized, and and you could see something there at the end of the year. And I, and I felt the same way last year because I mean, God, it just never felt. Uh, I mean, you, you just—it just never felt. Um, I hate to put the word normal because it—it wasn't normal for anybody. I mean, everybody had to go through last year, so you know, we just were never quite there. You know, I mean, that you know, just because uh, you know, because I—I—I when I put together a staff, I went with a number of new members on the staff. I didn't go with you know all the guys I'd worked with in the past and. There was always like, hey, what do you think? You know, you think we're getting ready? We're getting things ready. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we're, we're ready. You know, but I, I didn't believe it. I just, it wasn't what I was accustomed to. And so, but I felt that at the end, you know, particularly just, just for as simple as taking care of the ball and taking it away. Because, you know, I felt that, you know, that's such an important part of success. We all work on it. It's important for every football team that's ever played the game. I get it, but. You know, I'm a big believer in, in ROI. You, you get what you what you emphasize, and and I felt that you know that last stretch, um, you know, we were playing some good football. Mike, going back to 
your philosophies on counterintuition and humility. Can you give us an example of a way that those philosophies have impacted the way you coach or the way you're currently running this team? Oh, I think it's, uh, well, I think some of it is uh, generational. I think you can talk to individuals different um, 15 years ago than you, you, you do today. I, I think society reflects that. Uh, and I'm not saying, uh, I just think that's, you know, that's, that's just a part of, you know, the, what generation you, you come up in too. So, you know, right or wrong or indifferent. So I think it, it just makes you take a look at everything, you know, um, from the other side of the fence where I think, you know, you know, part of being successful, I mean, you have to, to, to truly believe in, in how you coach in you know how you run the football or how you put together a run game plan, you have to have strong, hard-headed beliefs. You know, uh, but the, you know the being hard-headed and and believing in what you do, you, you're you're damn close to the uh, to the line of being ignorant. So, and, and I think you have to be in tune where that line is. Uh, but more importantly, you got to have the discipline to walk on on the other side of that line and take a take a look at it from the other side. And, and I think. You know, I think the influx of uh, college football schemes in today's game, you know, the last 10 years is probably a good example where, you know, you know 1993 um, is a, a great coach. I have tremendous respect for Jimmy Ray. He's been in the league for 100 years. Uh, I learned so much football from him, you know, as a young coach. And, and, he, and he told me back in 93, he says, you know, this league's about cycles. And he says, the key to this is you'll see the 3-4 come in, you'll see it go back out, you'll see the bare defense. And then, you know, so, you know, all these things that are going on today, trust me, someone's already ran them 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's just a different variation of it. So he, he said, but the key is to stay on the front end of that. You don't have to be the, the first guy, but you can't be the 32nd guy. So, and I've never forgotten that because now that I've been in the league, you know, Almost 30 years, it's it's held true. So it's those type of things. I, I think that's I think that's where kinder intuition really helps you. Have you seen Demarcus respond and embrace to being moved inside at times, situationally to a three-four type technique? Oh, he loves it. I mean, it's all about matchups. I mean, it's, it fits his style of play. He's so violent. I mean, he's so aggressive. Um, you know, he has tremendous length. Um, I think he cherishes the opportunity to potentially now with you know the people around him too to to get a to get a one-on-one matchup. I think he loves it. Has that been a big difference with the markets? It's just the teams can't. I thought that was a good final answer, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well, you, you're done. You're already texting, so I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, I, 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 I just, yeah, I just, I, I, that's my exit guy right there. I just say, hey. I'm good. Good? Yeah. I got to bring these to the picture. Dave's going. Yeah. And turnover differential now is probably the most. But when when do you think it, it turned that that became kind of the way to win football games? Because you go back to the '81 NFC Championship game, the catch. Mm -hmm. San Francisco turned it over six times. Mm -hmm. Montana threw three interceptions and they won. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that doesn't happen today. So when when did the emphasis? When did all that change? Great question. Um, you know, my first year was 1993, and that's all Morty talked about. So that that's been my introduction to the NFL. I mean, it was, and if you look at his, you know, his career, I mean, he was, you know, I think he was plus 100. I mean, he, his his numbers were incredible throughout his career. But it, that's that was one of his main, you know, objectives each and every day, not every week. So, uh, but that's yeah, I couldn't tell you. I I don't know the exact answer to that, but it, that's when I embraced it. So. All right.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.